Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Super excited about what the Lord has put in my heart today. I've been preaching the gospel for 30 years, and one thing I continue to find out about the Bible is it's alive. It, 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 it doesn't change, but it changes us. And you can read things your whole life, and you can, you can read stories, and, and then God will give you... How many know what a revelation is? Amen. It doesn't mean it's a new belief. It just means, wow, I didn't see that that way before. Does that make sense? And so at piggybacking off of last week, and, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, please go listen to it. We have all of our messages online. We can li- you can watch the actual service, or you can go to a podcast, whatever you prefer, and um, listen to last week's message. But I want us to piggyback off of where we're at in our world. How many know we're living in w- very crazy, hateful, wicked times? And as we're talking about this, I, I want to talk this morning about why, more of the Why? And go even deeper into the why of, of why there's a war going on and why it seems like there's so much hatred and violence in the world. And, and hopefully by the time the message is over, it's going to bless you. It's going to speak to you. And we're going to start off in Revelation 12, but I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for anybody that maybe this is your first time you've ever been in church. We like to preach like that so it's simple and someone can understand today that, that there is one person in the history of this world who has defeated death. And his name is Jesus. And he came out of the grave and he ascended into heaven. The Bible says he's coming back again. But there's been a battle for eternity, for us it seems like an eternity, between good and evil. I said last week, this isn't about politics. This isn't about a a country against a country in the sense of the way we look at it. This is a good versus evil, darkness versus light, right versus wrong. And it is a simply God versus Satan. Amen? And that goes beyond, if you'll think about it for a second, we've only been on this earth, some of us, I met someone today is in their 80s, we've only been on this earth max 80 years, but this earth's been here for 6,000 years, but way before we were on this earth, there was a battle already raging, which is the same battle that's raging today on this earth. And it is between God and Satan. Satan fell. Satan rebelled. Satan said, I want to be like God. I want to be better than God. And so he was kicked out of heaven. There was a great battle. We're going to read that in a second. And then uh, ever since then, Satan has had the power uh, by God, given to him by God, to, uh, to be the opposite of good. How many understand you can't understand what good is if you don't see evil? We would not know what darkness is if we didn't have light. We would not know what right is if we didn't have wrong. So God allowed Satan to have power, and there's been a a, a battle ever since the beginning going on between those two. The good news is we have the book already written, and it says amen at the end of the chapter of 22 of Revelation, and the Bible says that we win. How many are thankful this morning that we are going to win the battle? We, We cannot lose unless we get off of God's side. If God be for us, who can be against us? 
And so just like that song says, you took what the enemy intended for evil and you turned it for good. God does that over and over and over in the Gospels. And he's an amazing, loving, powerful God. So we're going to pick up in Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to read a few verses here, quite a few scriptures. If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen. We love to have you have your Bible and open your Bible so you can learn how to navigate it, know where things are. This is an easy one today. I'm not having you go to Habakkuk. Amen. Revelation is the last book. So before we get there, let me give you the title. Uh, the promise of a seed. The promise of a seed, of the seed. Sorry, not a seed, the seed. And uh, we're going to get into this in a second. How many want to just pray with me real quick to get understanding? Father, we take authority over your word today. We ask you to speak to us. We thank you for every individual that's here, every teenager, every young person, every older person, every man, every woman. Lord, touch their hearts today. Speak to them as you've spoken to me. Speak to those that are online, those that are sick, those that couldn't be here. Lord, transform lives today by the power of your word. And in everything we do, let your name be glorified and Satan be defeated. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? <clears throat> Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. And by, before I read this, realize that it, the Bible can be speaking about now and back then and in the future all at once. That's how powerful the Bible is. So this, this entails a, a past event, a current event, and a future event. And it says, it appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Just to throw this in there for fun, because God is so amazing, this actual sign actually just happened in the heavens in astronomy. And how many know astronomy is of God? People get it twisted. Astrology is the worship of the stars. Astronomy is how we can... God put those stars. Read Job. But that just happened, literally, that... That um, sign happened in the heavens, if that tells you anything the times we're living in. So, again, happening now, already happened, going to happen in the future. God's doing all kinds of things with one verse or one set of verses. So, here it again. Clothed with the sun, a woman with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, that is the fallen angels, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child. And just before you go on to the next verse, I want to give explanation. Her child as soon as it was born. To make this simple for everybody today, this is talking. The woman is the nation of Israel. Okay? The child is the Messiah, Jesus. The, the angels that fell were the demons. Okay? So this, just so you know where this is going. Go ahead. <clears throat> she bore a male child, capital C. Jesus, who was, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Him ruling all the nations is a future event. He is not currently ruling the, the, the nations, Jesus. And her child, the nation of Israel, was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. This is when the Jewish nation, Israel, is going to flee into the wilderness in the middle of the tribulation to get away from the wrath of God after they have suffered three and a half years of judgment of God for turning on the Messiah. 
Then they sh- that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. And remember, this war has been going on since before we were ever here on this earth. It's been a cosmic, celestial, supernatural, spiritual battle since before we were. Okay? Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. That means God's angels, Satan's fallen angels that are demons. And, but, they, but they did not prevail. Spoiler alert. Nor, was, nor, were they, nor will they ever prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. <clears throat> and the, so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Not two people, two names. Who deceives the whole world. We just came off a series of the deception of the devil. He was cast to the earth and his angels, and I forgot to say this in the first service, were ca- don't go to the next verse yet, please, were cast out with him. So again, this is a past verse. It's going to be a futuristic verse. This, this was when he was cast out of heaven and has been working around the earth for the last 6,000 years. Church, scary thing, in the book of Revelation, during the tribulation, they're going to physically come to the earth. Physically. Satan himself is going to embody the, the Antichrist. Okay, so this is, again, amazing how God does so much with so much Scripture, how he goes so many different ways, but you have to get the whole Bible to understand. Next verse. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren. Remember that's who Satan is. Who accused them before our God day and night. That's what you see in the book of Job. Has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. What a great lead in by David. He did not know I was going to preach this verse. And by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to their death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens. And you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, listen to this, because he knows that he has a short time. His time is short. And if, it's, if it was short then, it's a lot shorter now. We're, we're at any day knowing that Jesus can come back for his church. And understanding this, you can go ahead and take that down, put the title back up, please. Understanding this, we're going to read a parallel verse in a moment here. But it's important to understand in these verses that God is is showing us a battle that has always been going on, as I said, and now the, the theater, so to speak, the place it's happening is planet Earth, and we're involved. We didn't ask to be involved, but we're involved, right? No one, no one got a choice here, as I always say, to whether we wanted to be born or where we wanted to be born, or whether we wanted to live or die, or if we want to live for eternity. I heard someone speaking to someone this week, and they said, I don't believe in Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, what was it? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm immortal. Or I believe in immortality. Well, if you believe in immortality, you better believe in Jesus. Because we are going to all live forever, one of two places. God gives us that choice. And so God has always been who God has been, and Satan at some point thought he was greater. He fights against God. He he rebels against God. And, And listen, church, we must respect, not fear, 
But you better respect Satan. Because he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of all lies. And listen to this. If he could, if he could deceive one-third of God's holy angels to follow him out of heaven, why in the world would you want to leave heaven? We're trying to get there. And he, he was a good enough deceiver to get them to follow him. You don't think he can fool you? That's why the Bible says, all throughout the Bible, be vigilant, be sober. For your adversary looks who, he, who him he can devour. And that is his plan to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So in this story, we're seeing what's going on right now in the nation of Israel and in this war is nothing new. It's been going on for thousands of years. And I'm going to take you back to the original thing and show you some things that's going to make it even make more sense. Don't worry about my throat. <clears throat> it's going to come out. Amen. Go to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. We're going to see here the parallel. There's only one other place. Let me tell you why we know this is the nation of Israel. There's only one other place in the scriptures you see the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they parallel each other. Remember this morning as well, I'm giving you a lot of teaching things. You, you cannot say today, we don't owe that Old Testament. You have no New Testament without the Old Testament. You have no gospel without the Jewish nation. God chose the Jewish people. This is a Jewish book. So you've you got to understand, if you weren't here last week, who, whose side you're on if you believe in Jesus. Jesus was Jewish. He came from the nation of Israel. And so we're going to finish and end by helping us to understand this is not a political thing. This is a spiritual thing. And it really is good and evil, right and wrong, darkness and light. So all the way back in Genesis 37, we're going to pick up on a story that many of you know with Joseph, and you're going to see why we know that this is Israel and why this is important. And remember, how many have read the book of, of, of uh, Genesis and read the story of Joseph? If you have not, please do yourself a favor. I mean, if you're coming to church very long, you should have read Genesis by now. I'm not saying that in a mean way, but you definitely should have read the story of Joseph. It's one of the most beautiful, powerful, amazing stories in the Bible, and Joseph is a type of Jesus. There are many types of Jesus. People go, where's Jesus in the Old Testament? Everywhere. Starting in the first verse. Genesis 1.1. So Joseph has a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him. Interesting. There's the word hate. Why so much hatred? They hated him so much more. So he said, please, hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and your sheaves stood all around mine and bowed to my sheaf. He's prophesying something the Lord is showing him. How many know the end of the book of the story of Joseph? They bow down to him. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? Now, as I'm reading that right there, I feel the spirit that Satan had when he talked to God. Same spirit. You're going to reign over me? I'm just as good as you are. The, the key to salvation and get, getting to heaven this morning is humble yourself before the Lord. Amen. Humility. Amen? 
Whenever you see that rise up, that is not God. That is the spirit of Satan. So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. And he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. How many know he probably shouldn't have said the dream the second time? After the first reaction, he probably should have kept it to himself. He says, hey, I had another dream. Here's the parallel between Revelation 12 and and Genesis. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. He's the 12th. See the correlation? It's the only time. So we know that Joseph's from the nation of Israel. We know that Joseph is the son of Jacob. So he is the tribe from the tribe of of, Israel. the 12 tribes, okay, one of the 12 tribes. And so he bows down. They say he's going to bow down. And he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So if you're taking notes this morning, all that means this. Everything we read in Revelation and now Genesis is this. The woman in that story in Revelation is the nation of Israel. She is the one who is birthing the Messiah. There's two errors people make today when they look at that 12, Revelation 12. One is, and this has been for thousands of years now, close to 2,000 years, the, the Catholic Church made this. They made that to be Mary. You've probably even seen drawings with, the, with all that picture there. It, it's, it, that is not who it's meant to be. It is not the Catholic Church. It is the nation of Israel. In other words, they made that the Virgin Mary because she physically gave birth to Jesus. But the seed, the promise of the seed, comes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, you all with me on that? And so the second thing is, she birthed the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. The second error people makes, one is, is that it's, it's, the, it's Mary, and the other one is, is that it's the church, that the woman in Revelation 12 is the church. We did not give birth to Jesus. Jesus gave birth to us. Jesus birthed the church. So it's not the church, and that is where what's called replacement theology happens. Where people read from the book of Matthew on, and wherever they see Israel, they put the church. We are not the church. We are not Israel. We are not Jewish. We are Gentiles who have been grafted in by the grace and the mercy of God. And so we are in our place, as what the Bible calls the time of the Gentiles, and the Jews have their place coming in the future in the tribulation. That's why the tribulation is going to happen, so he can deal with those who have forsaken the Messiah. Everybody with me so far? So to make this simple, there's a battle going on that we're going to read right now in Genesis 3. Watch this. Now this is the key verse. Get this if you don't get anything else. How many have ever read this verse? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. How many have ever heard that verse before? This is right in the beginning. Adam and Eve have failed. This is Satan's first attempt to destroy the promise of the seed. What was the promise? God wanted Adam and Eve and us today to be perfect, to live perfect lives. He tested them and he said, you know what? Have everything you want, but don't touch that. Satan comes along as the serpent. He deceives Adam and Eve. They fall. 
They make the mistake. They ruin everything for everybody. Right? Everything for everybody. And it's Satan's first attempt to destroy the seed of the promise. Here's the first evangelistic verse. People go, where's Jesus? All over the New Test- Old Testament in Genesis 3. He says, I'll put enmity between you. You is Satan. He's talking to the serpent. And the woman, that's the nation of Israel that we just read. And between your seed, what's, what's, the what's the seed of Satan? People who don't believe in God. People who rebel against God. He didn't have any kids physically. He has kids spiritually. Remember when Jesus said, you sons of the devil? That's what this is. He says, I'm going to put between your seed and her seed, that's the church, the, na- the nation of Israel, and he says, he shall, he is capital H, and that's Jesus. Don't you know this morning that Jesus, that Satan knew who Jesus was? Remember, we have to have an understanding of the Bible. People think that Jesus was some afterthought by God. Hey, everything else hasn't worked. Let's send Jesus down. Jesus was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and everything created was by God, and God was Jesus, the flesh. Genesis 1 says, let us make man in our image. That's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he says, and, and, let us make man in our, let us, our, plural. Satan knew who Jesus was. He says, he shall bruise your head. The bruise is something that can heal. And, 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 and sorry, uh, bruise, bruise your head and he shall bruise your heel. A heel is something that can heal. No, no pun intended there. In other words, you're going you're gonna to affect him, but he's going to crush you. That's what this verse means. So he makes a statement. Down the road, your seed is going to be defeated by his seed. And this statement right here opens up something to make sense of all the things we read in the Bible and gives it a whole magnifying angle to it when we start to realize that there is simply a battle between Satan and God, right and wrong, good and evil. Everything that's happening right now in this world is that. Satan hates God. Amen? Are you with me? So here's the key. The word enmity, go back up there for one second to that verse. How many know we don't walk around going, hey, you know what? You really made me mad. I have enmity with you. (laughs) Has anybody ever said that to you? I've never had anybody tell me they had enmity with me. But the word enmity is not something we use every day, but guess what it means? It means hostility. Hostile. Hostile is a strong word. And he is predicting and prophesying something that's going to happen for the ages. This is an age-long battle. It's, it's a battle that's going to go on, and here's the good news. Until the end, when Jesus wins and puts Satan in the bottomless pit. Has anybody read the end of the book? That's what God is telling Satan. He's going to crush you. He's going to put you to the end. But Satan says, watch this, pay attention. If I can steal the seed of Jesus, then Jesus can't crush me. If I can take the seed of the woman, if I can, in other words, if I can destroy the nation of Israel and the seed that comes from it, he won't be able to defeat me. That's Satan's thinking. 
So with that, Satan has been trying since Genesis 3 to destroy the seed that would destroy him. Does that make sense? Let's look at some stories. First and foremost, right after this happens, just a few chapters later, Cain and Abel are born. And they're both doing what they're supposed to do, and they're offering sacrifices, and all of a sudden, they bring their sacrifices to the Lord, and God says, I accept yours, Abel, but I don't accept yours, Cain. And Cain gets an attitude. Very similar to the attitude you see throughout the whole Bible. And he says, what's wrong with, my, with, what's wrong with mine? And we know that the, what was wrong with his is, was the wrong attitude of heart. And so he rebukes him, and he tells him, he's wrong, I don't accept your thing. And so immediately, the spirit of Satan gets into Cain. And he says, I can kill Abel, and I can destroy the seed of the promise that's going to destroy me. And Cain kills Abel. And it could have ended right there. But then, thank God, Eve has Seth. And the seed stays alive. Now, pay attention to this. You're going to see over and over in a moment through these next few examples where Satan is trying to kill the seed. But we got to remember, we know the end from the beginning now because we have the word written. God knew the end from the beginning. He has to fulfill his promise. He has to. Otherwise, he's a liar. God can't lie. Isn't it nice to have the book written? But it still makes a little more sense when you see all these things. It doesn't mean we understand it, but it makes sense. Why there's so much hatred of this little tiny speck of dust on the earth called the nation of Israel. And I say that not without respect. I say that from the size. And what I was talking about last week in the, in the, in the, in the message was how God chooses the little things to confound the wise. He could have chose this great land, this, this, this gigantic country like Russia or the United States or some big strong country or China. He chose this little tiny land. And he said, go there and establish that. And he tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation. He chose that. He's always chosen the little things. And you're going to see here in a moment how great it is to be used by God. How many want to be used by God this morning? So Seth is born to replace Abel and preserve the seed of Christ. So then the next thing that Satan does is he starts filling the earth with violence. Now remember, everybody that does wrong has to choose to do wrong. Every single one of us have a choice every day to do right or wrong. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. God said, I set before you, and you means every one of us, death and life. It's your choice. You choose. The people who are at war right now, the people who are doing the wrong thing around the world, right or wrong, they're choosing to do right or wrong. Everyone who makes that choice, and God gives us that choice. So Satan begins to fill the earth with with his seed of corruption and violence and hatred and wickedness till it gets so bad, Satan thinks, if I can get this world so wicked, God will destroy it, and he'll destroy the seed. And he almost succeeded. Do you know the story? He destroyed the entire world by water, and God even said, I wish I wouldn't have created man. That's respect Satan, not fear him, 
He almost got God to destroy the seed. But God had Noah. And Noah and his family were the eight that came through the flood. Because God had to fulfill his promise of the seed. You following this? So then we see, after that, Satan's not going to give up. Satan's not going to quit. Then we go on to the story around Genesis. By the way, I'm going to give you quite a bit of homework that you need to go read this week. Genesis 27. Don't look at any of these right now for time. Just stay with me and I'll tell you the story. Jacob and Esau come along. And Esau has the birthright. Satan makes Esau hungry. And he gets so hungry and so desperate, he sells his birthright for a bowl of lentils. And of course, how many have ever done something wrong like that and then felt really bad after? It probably tasted really good while he was eating it. And then he thought, I just gave up my birthright for that. What in the world was I thinking? And so Jacob gets the birthright. Esau hates Jacob because of it. So it's back and forth, back and forth over the seed of the promise that God is preserving. Then you see in the next story, these are all tied together, by the way. We fast forward to the book of Exodus. And, and the Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. That bondage is also a plan of the devil to take them out. Well, they complained. They did a lot of wrong. But in that place, isn't it interesting that now as the Israelites are flourishing, just back then like they are now, if you haven't read lately about Israel, they're flourishing in everything agriculture, technology, everything, flourishing, because God blesses them. They were flourishing back then. It doesn't, how many know no matter what you do, you can't beat God? Amen. Just get on the right team already. Amen? No one's ever done it. And so he, they're, they're in this, they're in this uh, eg exile, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, Pharaoh has the spirit of Satan come in him, and he's got these Hebrew midwives and he starts telling all the Hebrew midwives, now, from now on, when a, when a child is born to you, midwives, kill that boy. Why? He's trying to kill the seed. All the boys. But then we have people then, like we have today, who will stand in the gap and do the right thing. And those midwives say, especially one for Moses, says, I'm putting this baby in the water. I'm not going to kill this baby. She does the right thing, and she preserves the seed. That midwife is going to have a crown in heaven. She preserved the seed of Moses, which is the lineage back to the question I'm going to ask you real quick for fun. How many? You can't answer in the first service. Can't answer if you were in Discipleship Friday. How many of you here know, honestly, this morning, what Jew comes from? Raise your hand. I'm not going to see a lot of hands. Because I didn't know either. The word Jew and Jewish comes from Yedua, which is the tribe of Judah. That's what Jewish means. So you're not being angry at some people. You're being angry at the promised seed of God through the tribe of Judah. That's what Jewish means. How many know we need to get biblical knowledge over worldly knowledge? 
Sometimes people say things and anti this and somatic that and over here and over there don't even know what they mean. What does that mean? Well, I don't know, but someone told me that's what it is. <clears throat> We're from the tribe. Listen, we are from the tribe of Judah. That's our lineage. That's where our Savior came from. Amen? So we must understand this. So th- now, fast forward to David. King David. Saul comes along, and the nation of Israel wants a king. This is another reason why the United States of America, although we are not a player in the end, as I said last week, although we were just 300 years old and the Bible had already been written 1,700 years when we came along, the reason America is so blessed is not because we're just so good. It's because we have protected Israel, the seed of the promise. It's because we have founded our nation on the word of God. And the third reason is, and and I learned this several years ago and blew my mind, is the reason that God blessed this nation so much is because we don't have a king. When people left tyranny over in England and came here, they said, we're going to start a nation without a king, and the king of our nation is going to be God. That's why it says, in God we trust on our dollar bills. Isn't that amazing? That's why we're so blessed. Even though our country isn't that today, even though our country's not standing for what it's always stood for, I do. Do you? I'm still here, and I still believe that God blesses our country, and that Israel is his nation, and that Jesus is coming back again, and this nation is still God's, regardless of what our our nation's doing. How many believe with me? There's still a remnant. And that remnant is people along the ages of the Bible who have said, I choose to be the seed of God and not the seed of Satan. So they make a king. Samuel says, you don't want want a king. Yes, we do. No, you don't. Yes, we do. No, you don't. Yes, we do. God says, give them what they want. And from then on, kings have always ruled. Okay? That wasn't God's intent. We get a lot of stuff in our lives that wasn't God's plan because of evil, because of right and wrong, because of disobedience. So Saul becomes king. David comes along. He says, I'm going to make David king. You know the story. Why does Saul chase David for 10 years? Trying to what? Why kill him? Why not just hurt him? Or why not just mess with him? Or why not just hate him? Why does he got to kill him? Because he's after the seed. Saul, actually, if you notice the story, why did he have that tormenting spirit come to him? Because this tormenting spirit was telling him, you've got to kill David. These people today, listen closely, the garbage that's going on around this world in the name of war is not human beings just being angry. It is satanic. Satanic. You have to understand that. Something that is satanic is something that is led by Satan. These are satanic things, and they have existed since Genesis 3.15. He said there's going to be enmity between you, your seed, and his seed. Now we fast forward. and Let me throw this in. Everybody's having a good time getting something here? You think about the story of Saul. He's supposed to go take out all the Amalekites. Kill them all, destroy them all, 
Because those people, if you don't, they're going to destroy the seed, kill them all. What does Saul do? He doesn't kill the king. Guess who King Agag gives descendants to and become? Fast forward to the story of Esther. Guess who's a descendant of King Agag? Hamas. Ooh, that's kind of close to Hamas. Didn't even think about that. Haman, that's right. Haman. He is the descendant of King Agag. If Saul would have been obedient, the story of Esther would have never happened. But then Esther steps up, led by Mordecai together, and they save the nation of Israel. What did, what did Haman want to do? Destroy and annihilate the Jews. Sound familiar? Now, let's get to the New Testament. This is what everything's been waiting for. Now we're in the New Testament. Jesus comes down. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. And, and this is where you pick up, and we're not going to look at it, back in that story in Revelation where Satan is waiting for that Messiah to be born so he can destroy it. Right? We read that, right? So what happens when Jesus is born? As soon as he's born, what happened? The spirit of Satan comes into Herod, and Herod says, kill all the males two years or younger. Why? Why? Because the seed has to be killed. If I can kill the seed, I can kill the promise. If I can kill the promise, he can't kill me. You seeing it? We see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us, this isn't in the verses, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Where's Jesus in the Old Testament? Read your Bible. Not you guys, right? Just those people that say that. And the government will be upon his shoulder. That's a future event. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Jesus is born the seed has been born. Satan's done. Right? No. Gets into Herod. Tries to kill him. They escape to get out of it. Now, Jesus is older. Jesus makes it to 30. Starts his ministry. What is the first thing Jesus does? He goes into the wilderness after being fasting for 40 days, and he gets tempted by the devil. Listen to some of the things the devil does in the wilderness. Hey, Jesus, come over here. Look, look at all these things I'll give you. If you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all these things. Why is he doing that? So he can crush the seed, so he can destroy the seed. Jesus says, no. Then he goes over to a cliff, and he says, Jesus, why don't you jump off this cliff? The angels will come and minister to you. They'll come and catch you. Are y'all seeing why? Doesn't this make sense now why he's doing all this? Why is Satan after Jesus so much? He's trying to kill the seed because he knows if he doesn't, at the end, he's going to crush his head. As long as that seed is alive, the destiny of Satan is alive. You with me? How, how about now Jesus is going from city to city. He's casting out demons. He's laying his hands on the sick. He's praying for people. He's talking parables. He's, he's doing what he's doing. He's teaching. He's grabbing his disciples. All this is happening. And, and at least eight times, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you read your gospel, said, and they tried to kill him. And they picked up stones to stone him. 
And one time they, they, they were going to push him off a ledge, and he escaped. Isn't it interesting how Satan has constantly, all the time in the history of the world, been trying to destroy the seed? Now, as I begin to close, listen to this. Even his own disciples tried to destroy the seed through Satan. Today, if you're not getting any of this, you have a choice to be used by God or to be used by the devil. You're one or the other. There's no in-between. You can't say, no, I'm neutral. There's no neutrality. You can choose it, but when you choose neutrality, you're choosing the devil. Right? He did not give us a choice if we would live forever. He gave us a choice where? We don't have a choice. We're going to live forever. How many want to go to heaven? I want to spend eternity with Jesus. That's our choice. God gives that to us. Otherwise, we have no free will, and he could have made us robots which Genesis 6 makes me think he wish he would have. He said that himself. I wish I wouldn't have even made man. Now watch this. Matthew 16. You've heard this story. I was telling my wife last night, it's crazy. You read all these stories, and you know the stories, but then when you think about Genesis 3.15, it just gives a whole different angle. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to where? Sort of throw that in there. Go where? Is that a place? Physical place? Yeah? That place that, that the war is going on around today, right? Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be what? And then he says, I'm, but I'm going to be raised the third day. Peter takes him aside. Watch this. Be careful lest you fall. Peter takes him aside. Can you imagine the spirit of the enemy that you have to have in you to rebuke Jesus? He, take, he says he rebukes Jesus. And he says, don't change it yet. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Peter tries to rob the seed right here by trying to tell Jesus he shouldn't go to the cross. Watch Jesus' words. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Makes more sense, doesn't it, when you think about Genesis 3.15. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to the cross. I have to preserve the seed of the promise. So Peter, don't talk to me about that stuff. You're, you're not mindful of what I'm mindful of. And that's all of us. We're, what are we mindful of today? We have to be mindful. As the musicians begin to come, I want to close with this thought. Around 32, 33 AD, Satan really thinks he's won. Jesus goes to the cross. He puts his arms out. He's crucified. And he he dies. But before he dies, he says these words. It is finished. It is finished. And, and hell and all the demons begin to party. 
we have killed the seed. Right? We've killed the seed. The seed is finally dead. But they didn't read the fine print. Because Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to pick it back up. And you saw that I was going to go to the grave, but you didn't read the part that I was going to come out. And he came out three days later and defeated death and defeated hell and defeated the grave. And the seed lived. Amen? And he ascended into heaven, and now he's coming back for us. But listen, this is the most important part of the message. Why do we stand with Israel? Why do we pray for Israel? Why are we on the side of good and evil, on the good side, the seed? Because it is the beginning of our faith. You take, listen closely. Don't listen. Don't be deceived. All these people talking in your ear. You take the Jewish people away. You have no salvation. Our Savior, if you believe in Jesus, was Jewish. From the tribe of Judah, son of David, because he's in that lineage, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and those are his people, and we must stand with who Jesus stands with. There's no other option but to do that. And you might think, well, we're Gentiles. Yes, but our Savior's Jewish. He started in Jerusalem. He's going to end in Jerusalem. When the tribulation is over, the Bible says Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. The ground's going to split. He's going to destroy all the enemies at one breath, and then he's going to set up his kingdom on this earth the way he intended it in the beginning. And he's going to be the governor of this world, and we're going to, we're, say we're, going to rule and reign with him. Jesus is going to be the president, and King David is going to be his vice president, and we won't have to vote anymore for, for anybody in politics because we're going to rule and reign with them. King David is very important. Now, I want to finish with one last thought. How many just give me one last thought? Going back to Judah. Why the tribe of Judah? Watch this. This is so cool what God does. Judah was the fourth son, not the first. But the other three sons made bad choices, and so he moved up the ladder. But it wasn't just that. If you go back to the story of Joseph, when Joseph was going to be sold into slavery, or killed, sorry, they, his brother said, let's kill him. That was part of killing the seed too. Guess who the person was that said, let's not kill him, let's sell him? Judah. Then you fast forward to the end of the story. They've already gone before Joseph. They found out who he is. And Joseph says, one of you has to stay here. Because he wanted to see his father. I won't let you go back unless one of you stay. Guess who stepped in and said, I'll stay? Judah. Here's the interesting thing. Later on for homework, read Genesis 38, and you're going to see that Judah was not a good dude. He made a lot of mistakes. But that's the gospel. God uses people who make mistakes. Amen? Amen? And he turns their lives around, and then he, and then he uses them to be the, the scepter 
49 says, I sent that out in your verses today, the ruler of the tribe of Judah, which is the bloodline. And then just for you women here, not, not, don't take this wrong, for you women here, I just have to cover myself. We already heard a lot of good women in the stories, right? The, the Midianite woman, uh, Esther. But there was also a woman in there that maybe you don't relate to Esther, the Midian, or the Hebrew uh, midwife, but there was a woman in there who was a prostitute, and her name was Rahab. Amen. And she's in the lineage of David and the Son of God, Jesus, because God changes people's destinies when they get on the right side of the seed. How many want to be on the right side of the seed today? The seed of the promise of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So as you bow your heads and close your eyes, it was faithful men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, I'll go into that fire, but I will not deny God. I will not bow to Satan. You can read later for more homework, Hebrews chapter 11. That faith chapter talks about all the men and women who stood so the seed would go on. Faithful men like Paul from the tribe of Benjamin who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was Jewish. And he converted to Christ. And you can read later, here's some more homework, Romans 9, 10, and 11. And you'll get an understanding of why we must pray for the Jewish nation. Paul said the Gentiles came, that's us, so that he, they could provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. The key to all of this is humility and understanding that we don't deserve salvation and understanding what our heritage is and our lineage and where we come from and that Satan has always been after that seed. And listen, right now he's after the church. His goal is for us to lie down and be lazy and be weak and not stand and not pass on the gospel. Today, we need to see people saved more than we've ever seen people saved in the history of this world. As you're listening to the Holy Spirit this morning, how many here right now are not sure that you're on the right side? You don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Jesus loves everybody. Every nation, every person. He is no respecter of persons. His blood shed on that cross for anyone who would believe. How many today could say, Pastor, before I leave this service, I want to pray and I want to express my faith in Jesus. I've never done that. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down all over this place. I've never been born again. I've never put my faith in Jesus. How many? I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm not talking about becoming a member of our church. I'm talking about putting your faith in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he destroyed that, 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 that enemy, that he bled and died so that you could be saved, and he's going to take you from the powers of darkness to the powers of light. 
How many? Just going to wait just a moment more. I know there may be some people watching online. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you know Jesus. You've known Jesus. You've lived for Jesus. But today, your faith is not where you want it to be. Maybe some of the things you see going on in this world is shaking you up. And this message has helped you understand there's a root to all of this. There's a seed of anger. There's a seed of hatred. There's a battle going on for souls. And Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. How many could say, maybe I need to get right with God today. I love him and I believe in him. Matthew 10, 28 says this. Do not fear a person who can take your life and kill your body. There's, we're just this be real. There's a lot of killing going on. And these people want to kill in the name of God. They want to kill the seed. We're still the seed because he hasn't put Satan in the bottomless pit yet. But Jesus said this, his words, don't fear the man who can kill your body only. Fear the one who can kill your body and send your soul to hell. Jesus is the one who has that power. He's the one who has the keys. He's the only one who's ever been to the other side of, of eternity and back. That's why the Bible says he's the door. So I hope today it's kind of hard to believe that with all these people, every single one of you are saved. I hope it's true. I hope to God it's true because I want to see you in heaven. We're going to open up these altars wherever you're at in your walk today. Take some time. Come down to the altar. We're going to begin to sing a song. This is where we let the message soak in. Maybe you need to pray for some family members. Maybe you need some healing in your body. Maybe you need some confusion to leave. Whatever it is, at this altar, we believe God can answer your prayers. We believe his presence is here. We believe his spirit is alive. And he's speaking to us. The Bible says he's knocking on the doors of our hearts. Amen. Let's just begin to seek his face this morning. Just begin to pray right where you're at as we sing. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.